Hey, you. Yeah, you. You, come here. I want to show you. This is what happened last time on The Incorrigible Party. Finding Isabella still does not have the anti-mind control artifacts ready. The party declines her offer of a room at the Elder's Keep, deciding to travel to the city of Goldham instead. Arriving there, they find the city is now heavily populated with the paladins of Coltis, there to help the city in their trying times. And over here? Eh? The adventure continues. Before we leave, though, uh, I'd, I'd like to... I'll hail a waiter and see if I can maybe get a shepherd's pie to go. <laughs> it's a disgrace to have been down here this long and not have eaten one. You can get a, a doggy bag full of shepherd's pie to <laughs> take to your room. <laughs> okay, so um, maybe we'll see if we can get two rooms. Sure, yeah, it's doable. Shakara Mia, I think I think it makes sense for Grimby Shaft and I to to occupy one of these rooms here, but why don't you're welcome to come in and we can chat for a bit before we bed down for the night if there's more we need to discuss. It's not a bad idea. Alright, I go over to the bar and lay down the uh, the cash for all of the stuff that I procured. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. and then sort of wait on the shepherd pie with falls in there until they, they bring it and then head up to the room. My goodness, this smells heavenly. I can't, I can't wait. I, I hope no one will be offended if I'm eating while we chit-chat. It does not bother me. It's fine. Okay. So head up there and go sort of sit down around the, a table or whatever. If there's one in the room, I don't know. And uh, say it. All right. Here's the skinny. We ended up down there in Samuel Coltis's place. Yes, I figured. And, uh, we saw you two. You saw well, what? what we Wait. thought was you two. Do you guys remember the Erica's little doppelganger oh, friends? Oh, no. Well, What we did you them. tell them? Oh, you, Only the two of us. They're dead. So yours are still out there somewhere. Exactly. That's right. I mean, it was just the two of you, so Falzer and I took them out pretty quickly. And then we looked around... <laughs> And found, <laughs> Sorry. found a few uh, other items. Two shikaras. Hey. <laughs> no, 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 Gribby. It was Shikara and Mia. And unfortunately, they're they're no longer with us. But what they were doing mm-hmm. was trying to procure some phlogiston. Yes. Cultus had phlogiston. He sure did. What I, were they going to do bit, with that? I don't know. I'm concerned with the fact that he had it and concerned with the possibilities of what they intended to do with it. I think they were taking it back to Isabella. I look over at Shakara. Remember the barrels at, at Titterman's? Maybe that's part of the supply line. Why would the doppelgangers be working with Isabella? They were Erica's creations. That's true. Don't know. Did they mention Isabella? I look over at Falzern. No. Now that you mention it, they. I think they always used the term her or she. Right. So it was probably Erica then. They didn't know she was dead. Erica wanted phlogiston for the Kraken, so that's perhaps what that they were. That makes sense. Getting it for? Very astute um, observation. Mia, yeah, I'm not sure why we didn't think of that. That's probably what was happening. How much phlogiston is left at the keep? I'm not exactly sure, but I did try to destroy it as we were leaving through the portal, so it may have all been damaged or destroyed. Destroy uh, it how? Well, I kind of just relied on what I do best, which is light fires. That will be something interesting for cultists to come back to. Yes, I imagine he's going to be a bit cross when he comes back to his habitation there. You did not leave any traces of yourselves, did you? I don't believe so. No. He's certainly going to know someone was there. I feel that would be very evident. Well, they'll see some doppelganger bodies. All could be blamed on them, then. That's the way I'm thinking. Now, I look over to Shaft. 
and look down at my bag of holding and then look back up at him. What all is in that bag? My brother, Alamar. What are you going to do with Danzig? I don't know. I'm going to bury him if we get back near Necrosis. Why there? That's where we're from. We're, We're close to there. So you want to take him home? Yes. I can respect that. I was about to ask Shaft what was keeping you with us. Now that you know the artifacts will will not be you will not be paid by Blake Lately. I suppose taking your brother home is important. Up to the mountains with us. You said you had someone in Victor, yes? I do. Now that I have it in, mayhaps I can help you see to that person. Does she have the the plague. She's not well, and uh, I don't know. I don't know what to do about that situation yet. I wanted to check on her when we went to Victor, but uh, we were only given the option to leave, so we did. After this other business is completed, we can travel there together. You think you uh, know what the situation is in Victor? I can find out. It's true. Shakara, I I think I may have something that perhaps I can give to you as a sort of apology. Uh, yes? I look at Falzer and I go, well, we have to be very careful. And I look at Shakara and go, are you uh, willing to be very careful with this item? And trust us? I am willing to be very careful, Yes. I look at him and give him a shake of the head. Enough already. What is happening? So I I reach into the bag of holding and pull out the Obsidian Greatsword, also known as the Death Knight's Dreadsword. Shakara, I, I know you've been in the market for a new sword for some time now. I wonder if... You let us get this... all the way out here, and you've had a sword in your bag this whole time? Well, there's a catch. <laughs> That catches. You're you're probably going to have to keep it in the sack for a while. Why is that? Well, previous owner um, was Mr. Coltis himself. And he would recognize it? Uh, Wouldn't you? I'm not sure how many people might have seen it already and know who it belongs to. It's certainly a unique sword. So any paladin that sees it May know it belonged to cultist. Exactly. So, maybe, maybe we uh, keep it in a sack for now, and then once we get past this whole Isabella, maybe Samuel situation in Heracleion, and we hit back to the mainland, it's all yours. May I see it? Certainly. I hand it over to her. I believe it's quite powerful. Very, very interesting. As she's looking at it, I'll go. If, uh, when all this is over, you can, uh, help me get Nina back, you have my sword. I will do my best. I handed the blade back to Falzerin. Yes, Shakara, I, when I first studied this blade and, and realized what it was capable of, I thought it might be well suited for you. Yes, I am very intrigued by it. Now, Shakara, I suppose before we all split and bed down for the night, you should, you really should take this sword overnight so that you can study to know how to use it properly. That makes sense. Yes, I'll do that. And I'll take it back from you and I'll just kind of stroke it and swing it through the air a little bit. <laughs> hey, Falzern, you got a minute? That's good. I got to go talk to you for a second. And yes, walk yes. Out the, walk out the room. Certainly. Well, no, we're in our room right now. Oh, then I'll walk out of the room. Doesn't matter. <laughs> you gonna kick him out? Are we gonna get done talking? Yeah. I guess I'll take my ring and bounce. Night. And uh, who's Grimby? Who's Grimby going with? He's staying with us. Yeah, he's staying with us. That's fine. Good night, Shakara and Mia. Rest well. We'll see you in the morning. Once they leave the room. I look over at, uh, at Falzren and go, hey, we need to see what's in those books. 
I agree. I'm going to try and skim through as much of them as I can tonight, uh, although I am pretty exhausted, so rest is a top priority as well. There's one thing, though, I sh maybe should have brought up with uh, the lot of us together here. Uh, about uh, the Ryzen 2 and what was in the hold. What blew up. Yeah. Yes. I'm listening. Well, uh, I think it may have been uh, this phlogiston stuff y'all been talking about. So, uh, oh. I got the deed to the boat. Uh, a big boy. Uh, I was supposed to take the cargo down to Port Cortis before we uh, got interrupted. At the time, I thought it might have been a coincidence that the boat got attacked, but now I'm thinking maybe not so much. That's very interesting. Hmm. So a shipment, a ship full of phlogiston heading down. To Samuel Coltus. Do you know where it came from? It was already on the boat once I got. Once I took the captain's ship. That was part of the deal for, for, for getting it. Getting the vessel. We'll explain uh, how it went boom so easy. Yes, yeah. it certainly is a very flammable substance. Now, Shaft, the phlogiston was being used in Heracleon for the Kraken. What would be the purpose of bringing it down to Samuel Coltis? Yeah, and why did he have a bunch of it already? Yes, that's doesn't add up. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. Maybe the towers have something to do with the phlogiston. I, 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 I don't know how that, how that would all work. I don't know either. I mean, I suppose if this phlogiston has something to do with the towers... Oh, boy. Well, maybe the books will enlighten us. Maybe. All right, so I pull out the books, and um, how many were? There, was there five of them? I believe there were six. Okay. Now, Grimby, I'm not sure how fast of a reader you are, but maybe if we divide up some of this reading, we can get through more of it tonight. What do you say? I can give a crack at her. As long as uh, it ain't written in any fancy dancy language, I might not know how to read. No, it, I, I'm pretty sure it's all common. Hey, these books don't look so common to me. <laughs> well, here's one you might recognize, and I reach in my pouch and I hand him the Pal Boys. <laughs> oh, this would be a good issue. <laughs> I tell ya. This uh, vintage. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. The hairstyles were a bit different back in this time. <laughs> I, uh, I quite prefer them myself, if you, <laughs> if you ask me opinion. There's a great article in there, too. I mean, don't skip past the articles. Nah, it's all about context. So, yeah, I, I, I think these books are diaries of Samuel Coltis, and there may be some useful information in them, I don't know, but... While we've got some time, we should try and read through them. So I'll I'll pass out a couple books to each of them. So I think without keeping them off Mike a long time, we're just going to sort of skim through it. Yeah. To see if there's anything of any that raises an eyebrow, I guess we should say. Yeah, it was a good idea of divvying it up for sure. Uh, you know, with the three of you kind of flipping through these. I mean, there are select probably what you may <laughs> keywords where you could hit the control F. And search for some keywords. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of flipping through. And you're right. These these are basically personal logs. And they are dated. And the earliest one is dated back 50 or 60 years. And it seems it depicts a, a young Samuel Coltus in like his early 20s. And, you know, these earlier ones, there really isn't much detail that is is really pertinent but you do kind of get a bit of a backstory of of how like the paladins of cultists were were formed and a bit of a almost a family history of of the cult like the cultist line but what does catch your eye is is information about in particular what's referred to as the armor of kalar 
And Samuel makes mention of it in numerous entries, even throughout the decades that these journals seem to span. It seems that the helm, in particular, is what seems to be a family heirloom that's been passed down through his family. And he's, of course, the, the latest in the lineage to receive it. And there are a few detailed entries about what it does. It is one piece of a full set, a very ancient and powerful set. The helm itself offers like regenerative abilities. And what Samuel is able to do is leverage those abilities into expanding, extending his life. The rest of the pieces though, in the, in the, in the first entry you find of it, of course, it, it talks about how the, the, these heirlooms were, again, something that was kind of lost to the family or the helm was found and it became, it kind of was inherited as an heirloom. This, the stories are, you know, like family legends almost. You're kind of reading these recounts of. So where the pieces really actually truly come from, not entirely known even to Samuel himself. Just they're powerful. Samuel is looking for them. And it does become very clear that the towers themselves and what they do, the effects that they have, is tied to locating these pieces of armor. Does it say anywhere about why the armor's been separated and missing? No, again, that's kind of like like some type of lost legend. Uh, like the cultists, you know, a, a, a line of far down in the lineage, uh, some member of cultists, like great-great-grandfather, had found this helm and be able to, you know, pass down history of it and the rest of the set. But whether or not that's actually what happens to the other pieces, impossible to say. Does it say anything about the pieces that he has or that he has found? or? Yeah, so Grimby seems to have some of the, the later entries. And he's uh, leafing through about a section that's dated about two decades ago, which anybody that would have you know some history of Aspara, that's about the time where the occupation of the Phalaren Forest was happening, where the you know the towers that had previously been constructed there and just devastated half of the little island that makes up for the forest so it seems that samuel has located the boots and the helm of course but that's about it and the the locations of the towers basically denote like a a, a clue almost like a clue marker of where he would find the pieces like he's not randomly setting up the towers right looking because they do only have about a six mile effect around them of influence of the blue light itself so it's not something that you could put up in anywhere in the world and it would be able to tell you where and point you in a direction kind of thing right so he knows general areas where to look it seems and the towers themselves help to pinpoint and uncover where the pieces might be laying. Does it say anything about what powers the towers or any technical information that we could use? You find mention very early on in one of, I would say it was probably about the second journal, about how the, at, at the first mention of them, like they're not, they don't, they're not named, or like he doesn't call them by any type of name just calls them, you know, the, the power source, really. And it seems that there's some type of connection between the power sources and the armor itself. Again, something that Samuel doesn't quite understand himself. And in some of the, the most recent entries, it's discovered around the time where Samuel and Isabella has formed this connection that finally Samuel has a name to put to the power source basically learning this from getting it out of Isabella that the towers are powered by the eyes of Dendar and part of part of the legend too part of the the connection that is known to Samuel at least between Kalar and the eyes of Dendar is this is the, is the Zelwick line 
is again it, it, he he kind of recounts family lore of the person wearing like a cultist wearing the armor of Kalar working with ancient Zelwicks basically and kind of forming this bond and this alliance to get rid of Dendar and Father Limic. So as we're reading this and talking to each other about what we're finding, Alamar hears all this. Everything you say out loud, yeah. So what do you think about this, Alamar? I think that this armor needs to be found. So we should trust Sammy? Perhaps trust may be too strong. You, Balzarin, do have my family book retrieved from my study. I do, yes. You think there may be something useful in there that we have missed? I do believe that a cross-referencing of sorts could maybe fill in some more gaps. That's a good thought, Alamar. So I'll pull out his family lineage book. Now, now, Almar, where should I look? I would suggest starting at the beginning. It is a recounting of the Zelwick line. That seems fair. So I will open it and start reading. This book is not a journal. This is not seem to, it was not written by Alamar. This seems to be a collection of, again, family lore of, of the Zelwicks, right? It reads a lot differently than a personal journal, obviously, right? It's almost encyclopedic. It just kind of denotes, like in the very beginning, there's this very massive and extensive detailed family tree of the Zelwicks and offshoots thereof, you know, losing the maiden name of Zelwick, uh, et cetera, et cetera, through marriage and all this stuff. Alomar did mention that if there was any information about the location of the Eyes of Dendar and the Scythe of Limic, that it would be encoded within this book, and that he maybe he would have the best chance of deciphering it. Flipping through, you see on the family tree the name Kalar near the near the top, right near kind of where where it starts. And it just, there's this, there's this single branch into two lines. It just says Kalar, and the next space is blank. From there, three further branches. They read Beric, Altenshik, Zexa. So the, we can assume that these are names of people, not names of places, since this is a family tree. Perhaps. Again, Elmar mentioned that it, if it's pertinent to the location of these artifacts, it would be some type of code. So that may be part of deciphering. Okay. I mean, we can sit here and think about this for a long time. <laughs> so I think we'll just keep reading, um, and, and it's probably getting pretty late into the morning and have some few discussions between us, but then uh, eventually we're just going to put everything back in the sack and, and hit the hay. Yes, Shaft, I, I think Shaft, Grimby, and Alamar, I should say. This is all a lot of information. Perhaps I always find after a long night of reading that getting some shut-eye and rest sometimes brings everything together. Why don't we regroup in the morning? Yeah, maybe we, we can tell them what's going on. I don't see any reason why we would hold back this information. I, I agree. I, I think we need to trust them to a certain extent and and perhaps you know they may have some information that can help us put these pieces together i mean the only thing i'm not really comfortable with i sort of look over at grimby and she wasn't really forthcoming about tinchi and no she know, wasn't hey uh what uh what do you mean what are you be talking about well i know we can trust you grimby but we saw they were locked up down in uh, Alamar's. I don't know. What do you call it, Alamar? Your dungeon? It simply serves as a library. Yeah, his library with a cage in it. 
Yes, we found the three, uh, Tenchi, Janela, and Hefe, locked down below and spoke with them. Apparently, Isabella locked them there, and Shakara actually had found them at one point while she was alone and made no indication that she had any any intent of letting them free. And as you may remember, she has not admitted to us that she had ever come across them. Seems a bit suspicious. I, uh, Mia was right then. Yeah, yes, I think so. she was. So it seems to me that, uh, why didn't the two of you let them out? Uh, we couldn't. If we let them out, they had no way to get them out of there without being seen. And I don't know about you, but I think, uh, Isabella might have got a little pissed off. That was the trouble, and, and we tried to tell them that, and they, well, we didn't speak to all three of them, but seemed to be in agreement with our thoughts. The only issue is that it, it doesn't sound like Shakara said anything of the sort to them. Hey, it seems like she might have been in a similar position. Maybe uh, here on her side of it might clear some things up. Yeah, you, you may be right, and that's what I was hoping, uh, but she doesn't seem to be forthcoming with the fact that she had seen them, so I don't... Yeah, we sort of gave her an opportunity to let us know, and she sort of skirted the issue, so I'm, uh, I'm a bit weary, but I'm willing to give her the benefit of the doubt for now. I, uh, this coven business, it, uh, seems to be a bit troubling. Uh, I imagine this where some of your reservations might be, uh, popping up for me. Yes. Indeed. Absolutely. Well, boys, let's let's get some shut-eye. I'm exhausted. Yeah, me too. I uh, think I might have a right cure of a hangover tomorrow morning. <laughs> I tell you. I'll save you some of my shepherd's pie, Grimby. It, it, I don't think that's going to do the trick. <laughs> okay. Don't say I didn't offer. <laughs> Uh, Emily and Elena, is there something maybe the two you might want to speak about in private as well, or... I don't... I don't know, do we? Would you just like to uh, attune to whatever you may want to attune to and and settle in for the night? Yeah, I think I'm uh, all eyes on sword. (laughs) Yeah, all attuned to the Ring of the Ram. Excellent. You all... Wow, we get another long rest? That's what? So, oh yeah, feels like we just had one. I forgot how that worked. Hold on a second, let me. <laughs> well, handy dandy D and D Beyond. I think you just click a button. That's right, I do. The Incredible Party <laughs> sponsored by D and D Beyond. <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> how do we do that? We need to learn how to be sellouts. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the morning arrives. Would someone like to roll me a d10? Heck yes. (laughs) Want to know what just happened when I decided I was going to roll a d10? You rolled a d8? I grabbed a d6, and then I was like, no, that's not a d10. (laughs) Grabbed a d8, and was like, no, this isn't a d10 either. (laughs) And then finally grabbed a d10. Oh, Bill. Ooh, we got a one. Balsrin. You wake to the sound of shattering glass, a gargoyle looming over you, and suddenly your your eyes open, and you're actually, oh, you were dreaming. You were having a nightmare. Oh, oh my goodness. warm, gentle, reassuring rays of sunlight streaming into the light kind of calm you down as you've woken up to a beautiful sunny day. Goodness gracious. Another nightmare. <laughs> Another one. <laughs> if you only knew how many nightmares Paul has gone through. Well, we've been doing this for two years. I know how many nightmares, believe me. <laughs> Shaft, good morning. Grimby, how's your head, my friend? I uh, might be reconsidering that uh, hangover ship. It's by. I'm telling you. Oh, all right, well, let's chuck some breakfast down our throat and then head to magic, magic, magic. 
Yes, let's. Let's go see how the lady slept and how they're doing. Okay, I think we go over, knock on their door. Good morning. I open you the door. You see frog footprints, but Mia is nowhere to be found. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second, that toad has four toes. <laughs> so I, I think we'll uh, walk into their room for a minute. Well, we uh, we found out some more information last night. We were up late reading. We found a couple books uh, that might enlighten us a bit. What? Where were we finding books? We found them where we got all the rest of the stuff in uh, Sammy's place. So not only did you take weapons, you took books and blew up one of his rooms. That's about the sound of it, yeah. It sounds bad when you put it that way, but yeah, he's never going to know who took it. That okay, is true. so what are these let's, books? Let's certainly hope not. We didn't have time to read it when we took it, but you know, falls are in around books. When he saw a few, he had to chuck them in the bag. How much does that bag hold? Not a whole hell of a lot more, that's for sure. It's it's getting a bit tight around the seams. Okay, so how many books? What did you learn? What's going on? Well, my goodness, where to start? It it, it seems like you sure had a lot of words yesterday. Come on. Yes. There's a connection between the Zelwicks and the cultuses that stretches back many, many generations, it would seem. What does Alamar have to say about that? Well, I think this was news to Alamar as well. Is that true, Alamar? We have discovered many things, yes. So, it seems that these artifacts, these, these pieces of armor, they all come together to make a set. And this set has been passed down through the generations of the cultus families until they were all lost and strewn over Aspara, as it were. And I believe these towers' sole purpose is to find this armor, reunite it with Samuel, and for him to once again make use of all this armor. And what does the armor do? Yeah, what does make use mean? Well, it seems to have a numerous different powerful abilities. Other than what I read on the parchment? Well, I think it may be able to extend the wearer's life. Interesting. Yes. It has powers of rejuvenation. That would make sense. And these towers that he builds are to find the pieces of armor. Right. Exactly. That is their sole purpose. That is their purpose. It seems to be, yes, based on what we've read. And he has all the pieces but the one we were sent to find. I'm not so sure about that. I think he may only have a couple. We kind of heard that Samuel Coltis seems to not age. Did we not hear that? I thought I heard that somewhere. I don't know about that. I think all we came up with was he does have the helm and the boots. But as far as the rest of it's concerned, at least it's not in the books that we saw. Well, I don't know how youthful he looks at the moment, but based on the timeline from these diaries, he would be in his 70s, I would imagine. Well, it might be interesting to see what he looks like if we run into him. Yes, I agree. But he doesn't have the armor, so I don't know how it would be keeping him young unless some of the pieces can do that well yeah I, I wonder if he may have one of the pieces that gives you that ability or mayhaps that is why he is in a hurry to find it that could be so Shaft this would mean your contact in Drew Call doesn't really choose sides right because it was trying to have you collect the Arcanist armor potentially cultist armor right and then but also turning down these towers, which I guess we don't need to do anymore, but that's that's the whole other side of the coin, because those are searching for the armor. Yeah, uh, I mean, the guy who gives me the cash, I don't think he really particularly cares the reasons behind it. That is some interesting company that you keep. It's just good to know there's not another person against us. Seems like we find them everywhere. Yeah, I, I think Detmer's mostly just interested in his little enterprise there of 
getting jobs, hiring jobs out, making money. Yeah, he's not unique in that business. What else? Anything else you need to tell us? Well, we have a name for this armor. Okay. I don't know if it will ring any bells with what either of you uh, have learned over the years, but it's called the Armor of Kalar. And apparently the Zelwicks in times long ago, um, or at least a Zelwick, was aware of this armor and, and potentially knew a cultist many, many generations ago. I, I, it's unclear, but it seems like the Zelwicks uh, have known about this and maybe were not in opposition to it. What I don't do you, know. What do you mean? I'm confused. Well, there was some mention of it in Why would someone oppose armor? That doesn't make sense. Well, it's a very powerful armor that, that it its wearer could use to do who knows what they want to do, but... Does it have anything to do with the power that is in Heracleon? I'm not sure I understand what power is in Heracleon yet. It's There's a lot of pieces floating around here, and I'm s struggling to put them all together. Yeah, I mean, I just... I've never felt opposed to the armor Shikara wears, though it's mighty. So, I mean, why would people oppose magical armor? My armor is nothing special, especially compared to That's this armor. That's what I'm saying. This armor must be insanely... Exceptional, yes. What, what, are, you, what are you thinking, Shikara? I know not, just a thought. Mayhaps... There was something that happened on Heracleon, right? With the power and beings, mayhaps the armor either came from that or was used against that. Oh, I see. Yeah, I, I suppose it's possible. That would explain why the Zel Zelwicks were not opposed to it. If they right. were able to use the armor's power for themselves. Yes, maybe there was a a powerful foe in centuries past that you know uh, needed vanquishing right needed vanquishing anything used to protect Heracleon's energies would have been approved by my lineage so so now what Isabella had some of this had some of this armor that she gave to Cultus. No, wait, she didn't have any. She had she had the stuff from Zexo that Chucky had. Because it was stolen. So she had the gauntlets. At one point. Well, Chucky had a whole bunch of it, right? So if he got all of that from Isabella. Yeah, but it wasn't... Well, I assumed it was like recreations of that original armor. Not the actual oh, original okay. armor. I thought it was the original. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's all, it was all destroyed by Chucky and Falzerin. Yeah, so I, th I always just figured that we're searching for pieces of armor just to appease her, but we know the whole thing doesn't exist. Yeah, I guess, like, if that, if that was the armor, then we, then it's destroyed. Do you believe the recountings of what you've read of its power and potential match up to the way Chucky was wielding it? Like, you took Chucky down fairly easily. Right. Yeah, so it's pr it's probably wasn't the armor. Yeah, my assumption was that's why the plans were in that cave because they were trying to recreate that armor. Right. Because because that's what she had to give to him to get what she wanted. She wanted the artifacts from the tower, and she had to give him the armor. So she was trying to recreate it and pass it off as the original. Oh. That's what I'm thinking that now. That slimy bitch. I like her more and more. <laughs> I tried to do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so you said you found this armor in a cave that was Isabella's. Right. Which is where the plans for the armor were. Right. So maybe since Isabella could not find the original armor, she was trying to recreate something she could pass off to give to cultists, to get the artifacts that she wants. That's why she needs Tennerman. To recreate the armor. 
Yeah. Sure, so once Isabella has the artifacts, what? She agreed to give them to us. So what are they to her? Not those artifacts, no. She wants the Not real Not the ones. same thing. She's going to give us mind control. Anti-mind control. The artifacts that are in the tower, she wants for herself. Oh. Those are completely well, I separate. Mean, I thought, okay. But if the towers use those just to find the armor once you have the... Okay. Yeah, because Sammy wants it for himself, too. They're both in it together, but they both want the same thing. I mean, if she gave Samuel the armor that she created, then continued to use the towers or artifacts to burn and scorch the earth to find the real thing, it's pretty... That is not what that is not what Isabella wants. I don't think that's what Isabella wants with the towers. I think she has an alternative use for them. Isabella has no desire for the towers. Only the artifacts. And what will they do? Right. That's what I'm... I don't get it. We don't know. That's that's the missing piece. We're not sure what Isabella has, uh, plans to do with whatever's powering the towers, but I think she wants Samuel to have uh, a set of armor that he believes is this armor of Kalar so that he will hand over whatever power is powering the towers to Isabella. So... Yes. Shakara, do you think you could talk to Isabella? Do you think she's willing to fill you in on her plans? Mayhaps. She has not lied to me before. If we go get this gauntlet, we want to give it to the right person or destroy it. That's my fear, is what Isabella plans to do with whatever power is behind these towers. I would think Samuel cannot easily be tricked. And do we trust the cultists is, will do what is right? Not at all. Once he gets this armor, he will be nigh unstoppable. So will Isabella. We, what we do now is determines who has all the power. We don't have the information. I say we keep this between the five of us. I agree. Six. This needs. Okay, Alamar. And Grimby. <laughs> I was thinking of Grimby, not Alamar, but so he was right. But that's funny. And the other guy down the hallway. And me. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else before we go to magic, magic, magic? Well, there was also mention of. Now I know these are city names, but Barrick, Altenshuk. And Zexa, I think, may be linked into some clue or riddle. It's all very cloudy in my mind still. What do you mean? What clue? I don't know. Can you not show us what you're talking about? Parts of Alamar's book of Lineage of the Zelwick line, I believe, is encoded. And this may be part of it. You're being very vague, Falzerin. It's frustrating. Well, uh, I it, don't, is, it is vague. It's basically I don't understand it. a family tree. At the top it says Kolar. Okay. Then there's a blank Kolar, space. Kolar like the armor? Yes, exactly. Okay. Then then underneath the blank space says Beric, Altenschick, and Sexa. So your guess is as good as ours. I don't know why these entries would be on the Zelwick family tree, but I think it means something. Does anything branch from those three cities? No. No, it does not. Well, let's ponder that while we go get some food in our stomach. I look over at, uh, at, uh, Grimby. Think you can eat, buddy? I, uh... What is wrong, Grimby? A bit, uh, too much ale last night. Uh, to oh, be you'll be fine. <laughs> I get, uh, be tough to keep up with you sometimes, Chica. He's just missing his sea legs. <laughs> I've been off him for far too long there, Mia. Yes, let us get something to eat and be off. I head out the door. That's it. That's all we have for you. That's our show. Be sure to follow us on the social media. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all on the website, incorrigibleparty.com. You get all kinds of information there. Incorrigible Party is sponsored by Critical Hit Design, you know. And all ambient sounds and music during the episodes are courtesy of tabletopaudio.com. And our intro and outro music was created by Josh Jarvis. You can, you can find him at jamesmercymusic at gmail.com. Now scram. Happy adventuring.
Hello there, are you ready for the fourth bracket of the eights finals? So am I. For our western bout, the family that warlocks together pledges their lives to a breathy hag together, Hulsa, Tulsa, and Echol. Versus one, completely submerge in phlogiston, two, seal the pentagonal structure, three, bring to a boil, then let simmer for 30 minutes, serve with a side of watercress elemental, Kralakina. Triplets move quickly to surround Kralakina, keeping a tentative distance from his writhing tentacles. Kraken seems slow out of water, but he doesn't need to grab you to do some damage. The heavens have opened up, folks, with a pew pew pew, three flashes of lightning strike, Echol frying him on the spot. Kralakina has a hold of his body now. He's pulling him in, he's, he's swallowed him whole. There's nothing consentical about that one. The absent sea father is keeping up the pressure. Flooding the arena with torrential rains, Hulsa and Tulsa are overtaking. Struggling to tread water, I've lost sight of them. They've gone under. Wait one minute. They've summoned giant crabs. Emerging from the waves atop their created crustaceans, they have Kralakina flanked. Snapping claws, engaging with wriggling tentacle appendages, this could be a turning point in the match. What are they doing now? The crabs, they've stopped moving. They're just standing there. Pulsa and Tulsa are frantically urging them to continue the attack, but it's no use. Kralakina has asserted his control over the giant sea creatures. They're turning on their creators, my goodness. Crab claws tear through robes and twins formerly triplets alike. The family's bloodline has come to an end and it's all over on the arena floor. Let's head over to the east for our second matchup for today. Godly guide to Mia Brightwood, liaison to the mighty Thor himself, Herafina, versus the easily excitable, has a potion for everything, Campbell. This should be an interesting one, listener. I've never known Campbell to be very confrontational, but if I've learned anything from Arch Madness, once you step into that arena, anything can happen. Herafina, not yet in physical form, enters the arena as a ball of light. She seems to be getting brighter. It's like staring at the sun. Campbell has covered his eyes with one hand, the other grabbing at what looks like a bandolier across his chest, snagging a vial from it. Simple flick of the wrist, the vial smashes beneath Herafina, releasing a cloud of magical darkness to snuff her out. Now in solid form, Herafina rises to her feet, towering above Campbell, she surges forward, lifting Campbell by the throat, his feet dangling inches above the arena floor. The alchemist is helpless in her godly grasp. He's starting to turn a shade of deep blue. His hands drop from grasping at Herafina's outstretched arm. Even on the verge of death, the wunderbar wunderkind is still fighting. Another vial pulled from the bandolier smashed against Herafina's face. The sizzling of acid melting away perfectly bronze skin causes her to drop Campbell. Both contenders are writhing in pain trying to recover. Face returning to a normal color now, Campbell has his black gooed breathing pod in hand. I hope Herafina likes calamari because she's got a face full of squid creature. The reanimated breathing pod seems to have the opposite effect of its living counterpart. It's pulling the air from Herafina's lungs with incredible force. Her chest is caving in. Rib bones cracking and piercing flesh in a spurt of gore. Campbell is our victor. And that's a tentacled wrap on these fights, folks. Don't go anywhere, though. The quarterfinals are kicking off soon. All right, you non-Lelanders. We're here for the first bracket of the quarterfinals. Let's go! Fighting in the West. Returning from the island of misfit NPCs and still looking for his sexy elven crush, Thunder McScroggins! Versus the mild-mannered human taxicab, Drag Didge! Folks, Drag showed us just how savage he can be in the last fight. We could be in for another horrifying scar on our collective psyche here. Drag immediately starts casting as Thunder goes for his bag of tricks. A wind-up, oh, and a throw from the cultist, releasing a small fuzzy object, just as a wizard completes a somatic portion of a wall of force. Drag's done it. He's entombed Thunder. He's going to choke out again. But Thunder, Thunder, oh, Thunder's throw. Oh, it makes it past the effects of the spell, hitting the sand. A screaming baboon has been released. Gnashing yellow teeth clamp onto Dreg's forearm, tearing it off at the elbow. Not even Shaft could maintain a spell after that hit. And he can concentrate on two things. 
With a deep intake of air, Thunder knocks two arrows that hit their mark. No! Drag has teleported out of harm's way, appearing behind Thunder. It's getting hot in here now, listener. Drag launches a fireball. The baboon is charred and broiled, but wow! Thunder is one evasive rogue! Did he just backflip? I, I, I didn't even know he could do backflips. Did you Did you know he could do backflips? The... More arrows sent spiraling towards Dreg from midair, turning the caster's chest into a pincushion. Dreg collapses in a bloody heap. It's over! Another kill for Thunder. Oh, oh, yikes. Uh, listener, Thunder's pulled off a cooked baboon leg and is chowing down in celebration. Uh, that's a sickening end, folks. Well, let's go to our Eastern matchup. Back for an encore performance, the Ballistic Bird Bard Keck versus One Jokes, One Laughs, Both Are Idiots, Numb and Skull. With a quick flap and flutter of her elegant wings, Keck takes to the air. Numb and Skull immediately give chase in an impressive aerial display of flickering flames and fanned feathers. The Bard hurls magical insults at Numb. Wow, they're harsh. I can't. I can't repeat that without getting taken off the air, listener. But let's just say Numb is shook. Skull, however, lets loose a pair of fire rays at Keck. A quick diving maneuver avoids one, but the second ray sears her left wing. She crashes hard into the dirt. This is not looking good. Numb still looks a little wobbly, but he and Skull are closing in for the finisher. Keck goes for her loot to defend herself. Wait, wait, that's no loot. She's pulled out a pot and is ferociously stirring it. What the heck is going on here? Oh, she's she's deployed Operation Derp's Ion and has turned the pair against one another. Numb and Skull are in a heated argument now. Yep, yep, we're getting a play-by-play -play from the arena floor. What do you mean you don't like my jokes? I'm laughing at you, not with you. Bone puns are stupid. If I had a fist, I'd punch you in the mouth. If you had a fist, maybe you could write a decent joke. Oh. Now they're headbutting each other, all while Keck sits back, tuning her loot. Cracks are starting to form across their skulls. The green fire wreathed around them is beginning to dim. Keck, still tuning, quietly plucks at her strings. She seems pleased with the sound. A casual stroll up to Numb and Skull, raising a winged arm into the air for one mighty strike of the loot and a piercing shriek. Blasting the pair with a thunder wave, Numb and Skull are obliterated! Powdered bone marrow mixing with the blood-stained sand. What a way to kick off the quarterfinals. And both guest NPCs still in it. Will we see them square off in the finals? Stick around to find out.